a very warm welcome to all listeners of episode 9 of The Walk with me, Richard Price, Richard P. 1975 on Twitter. It's Wednesday morning. It's, um, it's a very mild morning for, for November. It's been colder over the last few days, hasn't it? But certainly today it's, it's not. Um, there's some grey clouds, but it's not particularly heavy overhead. It doesn't look as if we're in for any rain um, in the next couple of hours, maybe later on. And um, there really isn't a lot of wind. Um, so yeah, it's a pleasant morning really for this time of year. Um, I'm still wearing a thin raincoat rather than anything more substantial and wintry. Um, I am someone who gets pretty warm anyway whenever I'm exerting myself, so I just find that even if it's cold, um, if I wear a coat like this, I'm soon I'm soon warm enough after, say, five, ten minutes of walking. But as I say, today it's not cold at all, so here we go. Just coming to the end of my cul-de-sac. Um, diet update. Well, the strapline of this show, obviously he's fat and he's walking. Um, it's become in recent weeks, he's fat, he's walking and he's on a diet. I think if I was to give it a temporary strapline, and I hope it's temporary today, it would be he's fat, he's walking and he's fallen off his diet. It's been a poor couple of weeks really. I mean last week um, I warned you that I don't think I'd done myself sort of justice on the diet friend and um, you know as it turned out I I did put two and a half pounds of the twelve and a half pounds I'd lost back on so um, current loss over the the um, four weeks it's ten pounds starting to look a lot less successful than it than it was um but this week confession to make I mean I've basically fallen off it completely and um I didn't weigh last night never a good sign with me once I start not weighing then it's often a sign that it's the beginning of the end really with with the diet didn't go to weigh in because I just knew that it wasn't really really worth it I knew I was going to have put on weight I suppose the stupid thing is if I'd gone and learned how much I'd put on then you've still got that element of of knowledge and control but by not going I've kind of set myself up now for another week of of ill discipline I'm not sure where I go from here really it's a it's a real struggle for me I found the first couple of weeks really easy almost too easy and um, you know now I'm in the position where I'm struggling I don't want to undo all of the work I did over the first two three weeks but I'm in danger of doing that I mean this is the theme for me this is what I was gonna go on to talk about today um, my 
sort of pro propensity to... I wouldn't say self-destruct. I was going to say that, but that's far too extreme um, a term to use. But I've got a propensity to be my own worst enemy. I think that would be the fairest way of putting it. I am... Um, I'm not a disciplined person. And over the years, you know, you can see this in many aspects of my life. I really am a, a hindrance to myself. You know, I see it as a major flaw in my, my personality. I'll give you some examples. I mean, the diet's the, the most obvious one, or my weight as it is, you know, I know what I should and shouldn't be eating, and I know that I need to get more exercise, and, you know, I know all of the things that have caused me to be like I am. I'm an educated guy, I'm not ignorant about these matters, but it's almost as if I'm waiting for some kind of, say, health element to kick in, where it becomes a little bit more real and a bit more um, urgent that I do something about it. And, and that's just ridiculous. That doesn't really make a great deal of sense, but that's, that's where I feel I am at the moment. Um, as I get towards 40, horrible saying that, but I'm 36 now, nearly 37 in a couple of months' time. As I get towards 40, you know, these things are going to be cropping up, these sort of health concerns. And they're almost certainly, in my case, going to be linked to my weight. So the earlier I do something about it, the better it's going to be. And yet I just don't seem to be able to put that into, into action. And I've got a similar problem with a number of other aspects in my life. One of, one of the things um, about me is that I don't get enough sleep. Um, I almost consider sleep to be wasted time, which is an absolute nonsense really, um, to the extent where, you know, I kind of stay up as late as I can most nights in the kind of belief that that's the way I'm going to get more value for for my own time. You know, it's almost like, well, I'm at work all day, so when I get home, the longer I can make the evenings last, then, you know, the more time I've, I've got for myself. And so I do stupid things like start watching films at half past ten, eleven o'clock in the sort of vain belief that, that I'm going to get to the end of those films that, you know, often last, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And what invariably happens, on the odd occasion, I manage to stay awake. Then obviously I'm going to bed late and... That's, um, that's not good, because I've still got to be up, you know, around about half past six, seven o'clock at the latest, 
most mornings. And even if I haven't, the children will probably see to it that I am. And yet, I've got this blind spot that says, don't go to bed at 11 o'clock like normal people. See it out. And it, you know, it gets to the point where the earliest I ever seem to go to bed is about midnight. Um, but of course, what invariably happens when I'm watching a film that late is that I fall asleep on the sofa. Now, no harm in that, I suppose. At least I am getting some sleep. But it, it's not proper sleep. You know, the DVD's still playing away in the background. You're kind of semi-aware that you're not in bed. You've got the lights on. So you're never really getting that recharge darkness sleep that you that you need. Um, you know, your neck aches. Your back aches. Because you're not really in a comfortable position. And you often wake up, and in my case, you know, two, three hours down the line, feeling absolutely groggy and spaced out. And you crawl to bed at sort of two o'clock, three o'clock, even in my case, sometimes four o'clock, knowing that you've only got a couple of hours until you, you've got to get up. And of course, that alarm comes around so quickly. And although you've been asleep, you might just as well not have been. It just doesn't feel like you have been. You're so groggy and um, out of it. You know, you stumble to bed. You know, I can barely sometimes find the the energy or the um, you know the inclination to to brush my teeth. But you know, I do. But I'm stood there, and all I want to do is just collapse into bed. And it's ridiculous. I do this far too often. Did it last night, Monday night, um, and Sunday night. It's three nights in a row I've done that, where I've got to bed at various times between 1.30 and 3 o'clock. When, on each of those occasions, you know, I was due to be woken up by an alarm from six onwards when my wife's alarm goes off so um you know frankly what a what a ridiculous sort of way for a a grown man with responsibilities to behave and yet you know from the outside I think my life looks pretty much um, sorted in many ways. You know, I've got a loving family, a wife I've been married to for for ten years, and we've been together um, now um, twenty-one years plus. So we've been together a long time, and to me that's a success story. Not everybody makes makes good their relationships. I, I'm not a real believer that there's just one person out there for everyone, or you find the one. I think what you do is you find someone that at 
least if you believe they're that one. Because who's to say, really, if there is any one person for everyone, who's to say you're ever going to meet them? I've never gone down that fate route. You know, my one could have lived a hundred years ago. My one could be living in Australia and I'll never meet them. I, I don't really go in for all that. I was lucky enough to meet my wife as, well, as a child, basically. We both were when we first met. And we got together in our mid-teens. Um, and the happy coincidence was that we were both brought up in the same street as kids. Um, so we met and got on, and obviously as we got older, things got more serious, and here we are. Um, but if she's my one, you know, what are the chances of that? So I just don't go in for all that, but that's to say that I'm very happy in my marriage, and whilst life is hard at times, you know, we've got two lovely children, and you know, they're, they're a constant source of joy and pleasure to me. You know, I've got a reasonable job paying, you know, maybe just above the national average. Certainly above average for the um, city that I live in. And my wife has a decent income, so we're doing okay. We spend far too much and we've got debt, but that goes for a lot of people, but essentially we service those debts, we, we pay our bills on time, and we tick over nicely. You know, we have a decent holiday most years, um, nothing too grand, but usually a week or ten days or two weeks in France or something, and it's, you know, we live fairly happy, fulfilled, um, typical lives really. And there's a lot of people who who aren't managing that. Now it doesn't mean that I'm suggesting they should want to or that my way is better than their way, but I think the reality is there's a lot of people out there who are not in my position who would like to be in my position. There's plenty that won't, but I know for a fact that there's lots that are um, unhappy that they might be single or not yet married, don't have children, maybe because they can't see any of these things on the horizon. You know, I'm a homeowner. Um, it's not something I place a massive importance in. Um, but I'm lucky enough to be a homeowner. And, you know, the number of people on Twitter in their 30s with good jobs. Living in cities like Bristol and London and Leeds and big sort of conurbations. And they're living in shared accommodation. And I just think, 
I just couldn't do that. I did it as a student. I didn't like it then. And, you know, that's when you're supposed to just get on with it. And well, I guess I did to an extent. But I, I hated living with people that, you know, the only thing I had in common was that, you know, we both lived in this house and, you know, we're all students together and all that. I mean, I was just thrown together with people I didn't like and didn't like me. In some cases, not all. And it, it's a nightmare. And when I read these people tweeting about, you know, their housemates, and then you realise they're in their 30s and they've got jobs that pay, in a lot of cases, far more than, than mine. And even if not, they're single, so they haven't got the responsibilities and the, the outgoings that, that I've probably got. Um, and you, you, you just think, oh, you know, is this the way it is for, for, for sort of middle-class professional people nowadays? I mean, I mean, that's what these, these people are. And it's amazing that they've got to be living with, with people they barely know and in many cases barely like and putting up with their idiosyncratic ways and antisocial ways I mean even something as simple as you know having a, the wrong TV program on or playing music a bit loud or having sex too loudly in the next room I mean We'll use in the bathroom when somebody else wants it. These are nightmare scenarios for me. These are things I've long passed by. And the very least I would expect if it was if it was me in that position, you know, not having my own home and not being married, is that I'd either be living, you know, with a partner or renting, but we'd we'd be the only ones there, cohabiting if you like. Or I'd be living on my own in a flat somewhere. You know, the thought of even living with a mate. Yeah, that's something that's okay when you're in your late teens, twenties. There's a bit of excitement there. There's probably a bit of adventure to it. But not in your mid-thirties. Not unless you had to. And this is the problem, I think. A lot of these people do have to, and I really feel for them. And, you know, maybe I've gone off on a tangent, but I'm making a kind of, you know, statement here, which is that this isn't the way it should be. We've been let down. People that are doing pretty well for themselves in many ways are struggling to get themselves their own space, whether it be rented or owned or part-owned, they shouldn't need to to live on top of other people. You know, I'll, I'll leave that there, but you can see how I've got onto it. And going right back to the, the point I was making about me is, you know, yes, I've got issues of my own, and yes, I'm 
somebody who can be my own worst enemy. But I guess in many ways, people will look at that and think, what's he complaining about? He seems like he's got it. you know, together in in many ways. And that's the rub, I guess. Nobody really knows what things are like under the surface. I mean, one of the other areas I'm self-destructive is is in anything to do with work or study. I'm a last-minute merchant to the point where sometimes it, it it completely backfires on me. Right back to school days leading up to GCSEs. I was just lazy and I found it fairly easy, so I didn't bother. But I wasn't someone who found it so easy that I could get away with doing nothing in some subject areas. And so, you know, I passed virtually all my GCSEs A to C, but could have done so much better. And that set the tone then, because, you know, I got away with it. Thought, well, that's okay. And then tried to get away with the same thing during my A-levels and completely balls those up scraped into university and certainly not one I would have chosen to go to albeit it did turn out to be a very good place to be and I enjoyed it and the course was excellent and I had I had some good years and I bucked up you see I had that that kick up the ass, that fear when I was doing my A-levels as I watched my friends in most cases do better than me, even if they weren't particularly um, successful themselves. They they all managed to do enough and I I was the one with the girlfriend and, and you know, a job and just didn't put enough into it. And... You know, there's that self-destruct element again. I almost paid heavily for it. In many ways, you could say I did. Because who knows how differently my life might have turned out if, if I'd done well. But I got away with it, just about. But this time enough to give me a scare. So I did far better at university and didn't fuck that up like a lot of people do when they suddenly have that level of freedom. I guess I'd already got a lot of that out of my system um, in my sixth form years. So that was a good thing. But then as soon as I find myself in the world of work, again, if I've got a job that I need to do, I leave it to the last minute or I get distracted with other things, whether they be work or, or not work. And I find myself having to blag my way through things and make excuses for why I'm not where I need to be on a particular piece of work.
or fighting fires, finding myself putting in extra work at non-work times to, to get myself to where I need to be. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I've got the eight hours every day to, to achieve what I need to, and certainly in the job I'm in at the moment, that should not be difficult. And yet, I find that my personality says, mess around on Twitter, write a blog piece, um, you know, record a podcast. I don't do that during work time, but you see what I'm saying. I mean, I could be at work a bit quicker this morning, but I'm recording this on the way. And therefore, you know, that, that shows a level of, of my sort of lack of interest, to be honest, in many ways. But the reality is it's going to get me nowhere. And if I had a manager who was a lot more strict about these things, or if I hadn't recently been going through, you know, my period of of depression, I think by now, you know, he might have turned around and said, this isn't good enough. So I'm waiting for that, that, that warning again, that, that moment where I've got to act rather than being in control of it and dealing with it. Okay. Well, I'm at work. Um, so it's time to stop. Um, apologies again if you're tuning in looking for comedic moments. They just haven't been been coming lately. I have to say I've been using this this, this show as much more of a medium for getting certain things off my chest and um, you know that's no bad thing so you know stick with it and I'm enjoying it I would still love more comments especially on iTunes where I have I don't think I've have any I mean sending me a Twitter comments great and I'm grateful for that thanks last week to anyone that commented especially um, especially Jim Kelexco65 on Twitter and um, and Mickey Boyd Boydy71 on Twitter you know they, they, they were great, they sent me some comments last week and it's appreciated and it's great to know you're listening guys so um, that is it for now one thing to add up, there's a couple of new pieces up this week on my blog um, they're both pieces that haven't appeared on Sabotage one was submitted to sabotage but not used um, and the other one was just a straightforward piece that I that I put on my blog um, one is about my first um, experience in a in a house at university and um, the other one is regarding my mine and my boys first trip to Stamford Bridge um, nearly two weeks ago they're both on my blog great to get comments and people saying like and subscribing to the blog these are things that that I need if I'm going to sort of develop them further the blog is richardp1975.wordpress.com thanks for joining me again and um, I really am going this time 
so see you next week for for episode 10 can't believe we've got this far um thanks again <laughs>